Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2.5% of the most popular podcasts globally, and it is all because of my incredible guests. I am honored and blessed to share time with people who are at the top of their game and who are absolutely willing to help you get to where you want to be in life and business, and these are not people who hold back. Their goal for coming on this show and others like it are to share with you their essence of their peak performance. And my guest today is small business advocate Jessica Fialkovich. And she is a business ex- business exit expert. Pay attention to that. Business exit expert. She's an author and a speaker. And in fact, her most recent book, Getting the Most for Selling Your Business, is on my desk as we speak. Jessica has been here before. I think it was last March, if I'm not mistaken. And the last time we spoke, she shared tips on maximizing maximizing the value of your business and why you need to do it. So today we're going to dig deeper as Jessica joins us to share why you should prepare your business to sell today, not tomorrow. Jessica, welcome back to your Partner in Success Radio. It's good to have you back. Thank you so much, Denise. I'm so happy to be back with you today. I have, thank you. I have been following you around on Facebook, and you have had, we were just talking about that in my green room, my virtual green room, you have had a lot going on since we spoke last March. Catch us up. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been quite a year. So, um, you know, on the business side, you mentioned the book was released. Um, I launched my uh, keynote speaking um, tour for that. But I think the biggest thing in my life is that my my husband and I had our first child. So we had a baby boy in October. Uh, His name is Bricks. He's very happy and healthy. Um, But yeah, it's been quite a year. He's a cutie. I follow you guys around on Facebook. You know, babies can either look like they're just intrinsically happy or something is about to happen in their diaper. There doesn't seem to be much much in between. And he always just like, he is just, he looks like he's just, oh, it's a world. Look, it's mine. He's a happy looking kid. Yeah, he's so happy. I mean, he has, you know, he has his, his, Sometimes where he looks like he's got something going on his diaper too, but he he's happy overall. And it's honestly, it's so fun, Denise, to just see the world through his eyes. And he's so excited to learn like the newest, littlest things in the world. And it's it's been a really big lesson um, for me in slowing down and gratitude too. And see, those are the things that we forget to to yeah. look at life from the eyes of a young baby or a child because it is all new to them. And we kind of get that beaten out of us by the time we're in kindergarten. It's sad. <laughs> and in my case, so it was when I was three. I didn't make it that far. But, but it's just watching babies who are so happy and their eyes are big and they're looking and, and observing. It just makes you wonder what they're learning right then, right there. So yeah. thank you for yeah. my point. is thank you for sharing him. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm so glad we're connected on social media, too, because I enjoy following you around as well. Well, I have a dog and cats. I don't have children, but I have them. They're my fur babies. And honestly, I watch through their eyes sometimes, too. I mean, you know how you know you have ghosts? Watch your cats. They're looking up at the ceiling fan. There's nothing up there, but they're watching it. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Life is interesting with pets and kids, I think. So your book, let's talk about that a bit. So, and congratulations on your baby and your book and everything that you've got going on. Like I was saying to you, just in our virtual green room, you are kind of one of my go-to people for this is how you do life. You can have the business you want. You can help the people you need to help. You can have the family. And you just were, you were telling me that you have a dog that is has cancer, and that's just so sad. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's my first baby, right? So he's 13 and a half. 
and uh, we've been fighting stage uh, stage four lymphoma for the last seven months. We've an amazing veterinary team, but um, it's again back to gratitude, right? Just uh, enjoying every moment we have with him and every day. Um, but yeah, we've that's something we've been battling the last few months as well. I'm sorry, and wishing all of you. Listen, I I love my pets. I don't know how people live without them, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah. it's so sad to watch them go. But then again, you've had him all these years, and thank goodness for that. Yeah, he's had a he's had a great life. He's launched um, numerous businesses with us, um, and he's you know he's traveled a lot, like we were talking about. And yes, he's had an amazing life, and we've had an amazing time with him. You know, I was. This is. I'm going to go a bit off topic here because we're talking about pets and the impact they have on us. But I was reading, and I'll send this to you. It's this wonderful article about when your dog dies, you go get a puppy. And I just said, when my dog Abby Rose was killed by a truck who ran her over and left her to die, she was 13 years old. She was the best dog in the world. you know, I, I swear to God, she was, and I got rid of everything. I, you know, I mean, I kept her her personal stuff, her coat, and her, you know, all of her stuff. But mm-hmm. I took as much of their food and stuff back to Walmart. I gave a lot of it away. Two months later, I had another dog. Well, son of a biscuit! You <laughs> <laughs> needed all their stuff back. I needed it back. <laughs> so, yeah, they. I think they paved the way for better things is my point yes I, I i agree and we we all have you know numerous pets in our lives and it i think it's just like people like they come and they go in our lives and they provide impact for that time point in our lives and we we each affect each other's lives the pets and ours and the t- short time that we have together on this earth it's very special it's a special bond like you said denise i don't i was raised with pets so i i don't know anything different but i, I don't know how i would do life without my pets I couldn't, and that's just all there is to it. So now let's get to business. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Baby dog checked. Okay. Dog. <laughs> so, so what? Let's go back to what I was mentioning at the very top. Why you should share your business to sell today, and not tomorrow. And given everything that's going on right now, with government, with hyperinflation all and all over the world, I mean, it's kind of a mess out there. So, I would think. You can correct me, but isn't this something we need to really be focusing on? Yeah. If you're trying to sell your business, it's a good time to start really thinking about it. Yeah, it it really is. And it's become, I mean, the topic's become a lot more prevalent in the last six months with everything you just mentioned. Um, You know, and and we wake up this morning and like, it just seems like it gets worse every day, right? Um, But, um, you know, even if you're not, panicking right now and you're not selling, which there are some people that are probably listening to the show. And there's some people that I've talked to that are saying, Hey, now's the time I need to get out. Right. But using this as a learning lesson that things can change quite rapidly. Um, They can change quite rapidly in the macroeconomic environment. They can change quite rapidly in our lives, right? We can have personal things pop up and the best way to exit a business, the best way to sell a business is to do the preparation before you need to. So that way, when that day comes, that unexpected event, you know, the morning you wake up and you see the news and you're like, I just can't deal with this anymore. I need to move to my island and sell beer at a bar on the beach, right? When you have those moments that, you know, today is the day, the business is already ready to sell and in good shape that someone would want to buy it from you. So like just having that forethought and that planning. Well, you know, Jessica, every time I hear you talk about this, I think about people who they're they're going to sell their home and they've mm-hmm. deferred maintenance forever. It just hasn't been done. Yep. And all yep. of a sudden yep. it's going to cost a whole heck of a lot of money to clean up, re, you know, rebuild their house, do whatever has to be done. Why didn't they do this during? Why why did they live in kind of a mess or a falling down wreck? And then all yep. of a sudden yep. they spend a bunch of money, a bunch of time and energy on something that could have been done in increments. I don't really understand that thinking. I know. Well, and it's such, a, it's such a great analogy, Denise. Actually, I use the house analogy a lot. But I, like, let's take it a little bit further, right? So if you think about it, if you defer maintenance on your home, um, one, you're going to get less 
money for it when you go to sell or you're going to have to go through maybe even possibly like a short sale process or something like that. But even if we take a step back and you're like, like you said, now you're living in this home that's deferred maintenance. It's not fun to live in, you know, maybe paint's peeling off the walls and um, it's not super cleanly and, and, and in a good environment to live in. It's the same thing with your business, right? So if the business isn't functioning and optimally, right? So we, we all know businesses can do okay, right? Without a whole lot of maintenance on them. But if they're not functioning optimally, you're reducing the likelihood that the business will sell in the future and the reducing the price it's going to sell for. But not only that, I mean, let's think about it. You're probably getting less time out of your business, less money out of your business and, and less freedom and choice out of your business today because you're not paying attention to those bones. Well, what causes people to just kind of slide away from why they built the business, why they, you know, remember when you first built something, whether it's a house or, you know, a kennel for your dog, whatever it is, you're so proud of it. You're like, oh, it's so, oh, I can do better. I can do more over here. And you're all excited until you're not. Mm -hmm. What happened? I think it's this concept of busy, right? We're all so busy in our day-to-day lives. And as business owners, we get caught up in the day-to-day. We get caught up in operating the business. You know, we have client calls and managing our team and doing, you know, new hire interviews and figuring out the next marketing technique. But what we're lacking is we're lacking carving that time out in our lives and our schedule to take a step back and look at the business as this asset that's operating for us, you know, taking a step back and putting on that visionary hat again of like, how can this business best operate? How can I make it efficient? And, and I think we, we use busy and I'm using air quotes. You can't see me, right? I'm using, I saw busy is an excuse really because these are the hard things. It's, it's a hard thing to take a step back and look at your business as a whole and, and evaluate it, especially like, you know, if you've been operating for quite some time, 5, 10, 20 years, you know, to, to kind of say, all right, well, maybe parts of this thing doesn't work so great. Like maybe there's, you know, a little bit of my business baby that's a little ugly. So it's, it's hard to do. And I think that's why we hide behind busy. But that, that's really what I see. You know, a lot of our, our, our clients that don't move forward and don't do this preparation work, that's, that's the excuse or that's the reason. Like, I'll get to it next quarter or next year. And, and then, unfortunately, what ends up happening is they keep pushing it so far and so far into the future that one of those catastrophic events that we talked about in the beginning pops up and they have to sell quite quickly. And now they're, met, they're left with, you know, that house that has that, all that deferred maintenance and we're trying to sell it on the market in a short time frame. And see, that makes sense. We are busy, and busy is an excuse. Honestly, it's just a form of procrastination. And mm-hmm. I have days, more days than I like to admit to, or moments anyway, where if it was an Olympic sport, I could take gold. Really? Mm-hmm. Same. Like, okay. I, I could do the same. I know. I was sitting here saying it's an excuse, but I do it too. Yeah, we all do it. We, you know, we come across, oh, we're really busy, we're really successful, we're doing great. Don't tell me you don't procrastinate because you just did listening to this. You just said, hmm, I'll think about that later, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just the way we operate. It's how our brains work. But I like what you said about being busy because it is a big excuse to not go, oh, that's going to suck, but I have to do it. I have to do it. So how do you get people, or how do you convince people or guide them to say, you got to do this? And what is their first step? Yeah, I I mean, it's hard because I... I I want to be careful of the the scare tactics, right? But but really, that's the scare tactics is is the reality, right? We have so many stories of different clients that have waited and they they end up um, waiting too long in the preparation work and their business doesn't sell or some type of um, health crisis happens. We've had you know we've had a number of of clients develop um, debilitating diseases or even die and leave their business. And we're actually working through one of these clients right now where the business was left in the family's hands, nothing was done. And now the family is trying to scramble and put pieces together on how to operate this business or get it sold. So I tried to balance those scare tactics, but on the bright side too. So we'll go back to our house analogy, right? And if it's 
so much nicer to live in a home that's well-maintained, taken care of. It's a pleasant environment to come home to, but it's not easy. Like, you know, you have to maintain it. You have to clean it. You have to, you maybe hire some contractors to come in and do a fresh coat of paint. And it's the same thing with your business. Ultimately, yes, you have to invest this time, but it's so much better to live in a work in a business that's prepared for sale because, if we look at a business that's prepared for sale, essentially what we're looking at is a business that delivers consistent profit, that runs without the owner on a day-to-day basis, and is pretty efficient and easy to transition. So like, that's a really great environment to go to work in every day. So that's on the like the positive side of the future. Is like imagine your future as a business owner where you have time, choice, and money coming out of your business and so your business becomes something that you enjoy and something that gives you life rather than taking away life from you exactly and I'm glad you said you know time money what was it um time choice choice and money I was just scribbling down a lot of times people say well I'm busy and I can't afford it oh boy now what are you gonna do yeah yeah and, and that's really their first step. And look, the time thing, it's, it's always like, it, it's always hard to carve out this time. Actually, I'm doing this myself right now. Is I'm just tracking my time. For, I did it last week and I'm doing it this week. And just trying to find where I can carve out an extra hour or two in my week to do some of the strategic visionary thinking on my own business, right? Um, as we're coaching and consulting clients to do the same thing. And it, it's amazing how much time I find when I'm just actually documenting what I'm doing throughout the day instead of just assuming that I'm busy this whole time. You're going to find how what your busy looks like. I've done that before, and I've you know really recommended that my clients do it when they'll say, oh, I just don't have time to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, you do. You better make time. <laughs> and I've done it, and I found out just how busy I was jumping up and down to go through in a load of laundry. That doesn't move me forward in my business. Gets me out of my chair. No, no. But yeah. You know, yeah. I've learned that I have to focus, and that's tricky. That That is that tricky. Is I've got a squirrel brain. I mean, most yeah. most yeah. entrepreneurs do, but the really successful entrepreneurs focus and I'm I'm trying to learn I am I'm whining I'm getting better at it but sometimes all, I don't want to focus I'm gonna go outside and kick a tree I don't want to <laughs> we're all we're getting, all getting better. better well it actually goes to your question your second part of that question Denise is like where do you get started so um what I what I recommend to business owners is to help have someone help you determine that focus, right? So where where do you, where do you get started? Where do you say you carve out this hour or two a week and you're working on preparing your business? Where where do you start? What do you do? And having an evaluation and an assessment of the business is really key because that'll have a third party come in and they'll tell you, and we do this for our clients too, and they'll tell you, hey, here's here's where the business is at today. Here's what it's worth, right? And here's the potential. Like here's two or three key areas that if you just improve this this thing a little bit, your valuation could increase 50%, 100%. And with the valuation, that's tied directly to your profit, right? So not only does your valuation increase, but your profit, that money piece is going to increase when you work on those things. So the first step is really having that assessment done so it provides you that focus so that when you have that extra hour or two and you're like, all right, today, you know, Friday, eight o'clock, this is the time I'm going to focus on improving my business, preparing it for the future, preparing it for sale. Now you know exactly what you're working on instead of having this open space in your calendar, which I find is like, that's actually sometimes worse for entrepreneurs because that's when the scroll train kicks in and you're like, oh, I have some open space. Like maybe I'll browse Facebook or, you know, the news sites or something like that. Been there, done that, incredibly guilty. So I try to to work in increments. I'll say, okay, for 45 minutes, because my brain, a lot of people do this, you can only really focus for 30 to 45 minutes. Then you're, you're starting to read the same thing over and over again. In my case, I write bad code. <laughs> There's no telling what's going to happen. <laughs> but I've learned to focus in increments and then get up and, and exercise or go outside, water right. the plants in increments. Again, I'm focusing, but that's the only way I can find to make it work for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and I also, like, 
this time of, of dedicating to your business of preparing for sale, it doesn't necessarily have to be like computer time, right? A lot of it is what I refer to as thinking time. So that can happen when you're outside of nature going for a walk. Um, you know, I have some great ideas in the shower or, you know, or, or, yep. that's or, my thinking. Yeah. Thinking time or like enjoying a, a workout or a theme or a song session, doing like doing whatever it is that you enjoy. But that's what a lot of, a lot of this process is, is thinking through, okay, so, so say, for instance, you have a certain, um, a certain product that's not doing well in your business, right? And you can't figure out, is it sales, is it the margin, or whatever? You know, sometimes Googling and spending a ton of time on your computer is not going to solve that issue. But getting out and going for a walk with your dog, you might have an epiphany. So this hour or two that we're carving out, it doesn't have to be this stringent time where it's work, you know, it's just allowing yourself time and space to think about the possibilities in your, of your business in the future. And you can relax. And one thing that I've always told my clients when they're looking for a new website or they're consulting about how to grow their business, I will ask them, how often do you walk through your business mentally, literally? Mm. How yeah. often do you walk through your own door, especially in, in a website? What do people find? What are they seeing? Is it easy? Are you being greeted at the door? Can you right. find everything right. you need? Are your questions being answered? A lot of us don't do that. We think, well, it's there. It's working. I'm good. Now let me go get busy on something else. But you have to walk through your business, whether it's mentally, whether it's, you know, visual, when you're actually walking through your business, you have to be cognizant of what the customer experience is, what you know, people are seeing, because you, they don't see what you see. I promise you they don't. Yeah, exactly. And that goes for whether you have a brick and mortar business or an online business, like just walking through that customer experience um, and, and talking to customers too. I had, um, I'm actually doing this um, entrepreneurial master's program right now. And I just got back and, and one of our speakers was talking about like how few business owners and CEOs actually spend time with their customers these days. And it's, it's so true because same going back to the busy thing, right? And a lot of us may not have as much customer interaction as we did originally when we started our company, but customers provide so much feedback and information about what's going on in our business that we might not even know. We might not notice, and, and maybe there is where it lies the efficiencies. So um, we're coming out with tons of ideas of how you can use this hour or two when you get it back. You know, take a customer to lunch and, and just see, see what their experience is. Walk through your business. Spend a spend an hour going through your website and signing up like a customer would. That's a great idea because a lot of times forms don't work. Or honestly, they don't. I'm a web developer. I know. I've built some bad forms, had to go back and fix them. Yet you have to walk through the whole process. Are you getting too many you know, newsletters, are you getting not enough? Are you answering questions? There are so many different things, but you can hire people to kind of, like you, you know, you can say, listen, I don't really have the time or the energy to do this, and really I'm not all that interested, but I can find experts who can go through my processes and say, hmm, okay, good job. Or, you know, how about something else? You know, maybe do this, maybe do a little bit of this. And all of that helps you with your business now and in the future, I think. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And yes, you're right, Denise, like you don't have to do all of this on your own. No. You know, we, we, like, look, we may make a joke about it, but business owners, like they have way more responsibilities and way, way more on their place than, than anybody I see. You know, it's, it's, what's the joke? It's, you know, entrepreneurs are the only people that quit working 40 hours a week so they can go work 120 hours a week. Yeah. It used to be 80, now it's 120, you know, inflation. Yeah, exactly, right? So, so it's, you know, we joke about it, but you, like, you do have a lot on your plate as a business owner, so you can get help. You don't have to do all of this yourself. Now, what do you tell people who say, I just can't afford that? And I'm going to go back to what you say about, you know, get that hour, find that hour. There's ways to find little bits of money. Cut off cable. Are yeah. you really watching that TV? Are you watching that garbage that comes in your living room? Shut it off. There's a hundred bucks or more a month. You know, go through all of the different things that you've got on auto. Do you really? When was the last time you logged into that course? Shut it off. Yeah, and that's just minor. But if you take that into a business level, you can find 
the time and the money if you are just really dedicated to doing so. Yeah, it's funny. Actually, that's one of my key tactics. And he said, I don't know, I'm pretty sure I mentioned that in the book, but I talk about how you find more profit in your business. And one of the major ways, and it sounds so simple, but go through your P&L once a quarter, line item by line item. And for every expense, ask yourself if you're still using that. And if you're using it, is it still working? And a lot of them are auto expenses like we talked like you talked about there's i mean there's subscription creep just like there is in our personal lives like those the courses the tech platforms that we tried and didn't work things like that and then also like we'll we'll work by by nature sometimes as business owners we'll have this you know positive picture of like hey we did this radio marketing campaign one time and it worked one time but is it still working but we'll leave the campaign running right so eliminating those two things. And then and the last thing is if you do have something that's working in the business, maybe you can negotiate better terms by paying up front or paying annual versus monthly. Like those subscriptions, if you have something that's working, oftentimes if you pay annually, you can save 20 or 30% instead of these monthly bills. So that's one of the tactics I, I tell people is like, here's how to get some immediate profit back in your business. Uh, we implemented this two years ago in my business and we sit, we made 40% more profit just by doing that practice once a quarter. So if you don't have the money, that's where you can find that, that extra, that, that extra funds. And then the other thing is a lot of people think that using a, a consultant like me or preparing for sale is like this really expensive thing. And it's honestly not, um, you know, getting an assessment of your business starts at just like $2,500. So like it's, it's a very small investment in your, the future of your business that's going to return, you know, hundreds of percents in the future. But I, I love that just looking every quarter, look through your expenses. You'll be shocked to see how much money you can save in things that you just don't need in your business. Yeah, you're just bleeding little sums of money, and they count on that, by the way. When you yep. bought a $5 subscription or $37, which seems to be the going rate, and it goes on forever and ever, amen, mm-hmm. and you haven't used it in two years, they count yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that's I mean that's how a lot – actually, that's how, why um, a lot of – businesses that have recurring revenue subscription models are in the M&A world selling for high multiples because of that stickiness that people forget to cancel. But don't let that be you and your business. You, you, you're smarter than that. So you can grab this money back. And, and I also say that this should be something, we talk a lot about delegation, but like this should be something that the owner does. Because in a small business, the owner really knows each and every single expense. And if you do, you're also setting yourself up, too, that, you know, you're not going to be taken advantage of by bookkeepers or controllers. You know, you know the ins and outs of your P&L. So the likelihood of something um, malicious happening in the business is really, really low. But, yeah, if, anybody, if anyone listening to the show today takes anything away just, you know, we're almost at the end of the quarter, pull your P&L and just go through all the expenses. And I guarantee you're going to save yourself some money and put some more profit back in your pocket. And don't forget to check PayPal. Yeah. I'm constantly yeah. going in there and canceling. So, and Amazon, if you've got a subscription of some description. I mean, I don't need six tubes of mascara a year. I just don't. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. It's small, but it's important. And that, it's kind of a, a muscle memory, mm-hmm. check on where, where you're bleeding small amounts. And then you'll go, hmm, well, if this is here, what's going on over here? It's just a, it's a curiosity path, I guess. That's, yeah. It's certainly yeah. important. Now, you're talk, you talk a lot about getting your financials. and Oh, 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 let me go back just a bit because you mentioned mm-hmm. something really important I was going to ask you earlier. I mean, outside of you, how do people say, okay, I need to assess my business? Who do you go to? Your accountant, your attorney, somebody on, you know, Nextdoor app? Where do you go? Yeah. Yeah. So it's really important when you have a valuation and assessment done from your business that you're going to someone that has market data and market experience and selling companies on your size. So small businesses, medium businesses, whatever size. And oftentimes that is, um, it could be an exit consultant like myself or an exit strategist. It could be a business broker or an investment banker. Um, accountants, financial planners are great people, but they're the wrong people to assess the business because they're not active in the mergers and acquisitions market. 
So ultimately, just like any other product or service, you want to know what a future buyer is willing to pay for and not willing to pay for in your business. And so having somebody that has those experience, that experience that's talking to those buyers on a daily, weekly basis, they'll know what is going on in the marketplace. Um, accountants and financial planners aren't active in that market. So I see a lot of people trip up and they'll say, oh, hey, my financial planner, my accountant did this assessment and valuation on my business. And then it'll get to me and be like, that's great but it's not accurate because if you're not taking in um, to account the dynamics of the market and there's um, there's private sale databases that, you know, those of us that do these valuations and assessments have access to, if they're not taking into account what's going on in the marketplace, then you're missing the number one key component is what would a buyer think in the future, right? And as fast as things are moving right now with everything, I would think that would be very important. Yeah, if the mergers and acquisitions market has moved at lightning speed for the last two years, and I'm, I'm not talking about big deals, I'm talking about small businesses, mom and pops, you know, there's been more sales done in the last two years. Um, it's like every year is a record setting year in these markets than we've seen, you know, it, it probably in the previous like five years. It's just crazy how many deals have gotten done. So to talk to somebody that has experienced that and has seen those ups and downs and how different industries were affected and what's happening in different sides of businesses, because depending on how much profit your business makes, it also is going to greatly affect what kind of market you're in. So, yeah, and, and a lot of people don't know. Um, they don't know that exit strategists exist. They don't know that business brokers exist. They don't know that there's databases of privately held businesses, uh, their sold histories, um, but all that stuff exists. Uh, and you just have to ask around and ask for, you know, ask your accountant for a great introduction to, you know, someone like me or, or another business broker. And see, I until I met you, I didn't realize that it was an option either, that this industry, if you will, existed. And I'm in your book right now, and we're talking, since we're talking about the market, you have a, some little paragraph says gray matter matters and basically here you're talking about you need to protect your company's intellectual property mm -hmm. that's yeah. important yeah, yeah. that one's a, that's one we see we've seen more often and more often especially with companies um, more service-based companies more virtually based companies where you don't have most companies don't have a lot of physical assets anymore right we don't have a lot of equipment like the standard company when you look at the equipment list when it's sells is a couple of laptops, maybe a phone or two that's left in the office and some desks, right? So there's not a whole lot left in terms of physical assets. And they but, wind up on Craigslist, by the way. Yes, yes. or Facebook or Marketplace. Facebook marketplace. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of this intangible assets, this intellectual property is what's being sold. And you can look at protecting your intellectual property from a legal standpoint, right? And, you know, having the right legal professional help you with trademarking, copywriting, trade secrets, patents, if that's applicable. Sometimes it's not applicable. And in, in that area, you still have to protect your property, right? So you have to make sure that things are documented, um, that you have certain um, legal agreements in place with your employees. So like they're not stealing any of your proprietary secrets and processes, things like that. But I, I think that's where people forget and they say, oh, you know, well, my business isn't eligible for a patent. I don't have any intellectual property. Yes, you do. Your protection is just a little bit different. It's something that you have to set up rather than relying on, you know, a legal stamp of approval from the government. Give us some examples. I'm drawing a blank here. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of a lot of people have like um, I'd say one of the biggest things that one of the biggest competitive advantages we see in some business is is a really great sales funnel, right? So they're able to convert customers at a lower cost um, or more effectively than their competitors. But it's all um, up in that you know gray matter. It's in their heads. So when we go to transfer that business, all of those processes or how, how they get that to happen isn't documented anywhere, and it makes it way harder to transition to a new owner. Or if you hired somebody, it just makes the training process a lot harder. So going through the process and just documenting what you do in order to convert that sale 
is essential. And you can do that, you know, in a Word document, you can do it with videos, whatever, however you want to do that. And then once that process is documented, you can train your team on how to do that. And it, you can use it to be more effective in your business. But a key in that is like making sure that your team is keeping that that process secret too, right? They're not going out and telling everybody, oh, this is how we convert faster and better than our competition. So it, does that help, Denise? Is that a good example? It, yes, it is because yeah, I'm completely virtual. I have been since the very beginning. And I remember you and I talking about this the last time you were here. So I don't figure that I can sell my business until I spoke with you and I went, oh. Now, I yeah. do have yeah. processes and I do have they're kind of a living document. They're in Trello. You know, they're they're here, they're in yonder. But I just assumed, and apparently wrongly so, that once I go, that's it. The business is dead with me. Mm-hmm. It's not. No. So thank you yeah. for that. No. Businesses are like leave, living, breathing systems, right? I talk about them a lot as like thinking about them as an asset, right? That it's it's an asset that produces income just like if we were to invest in a stock or whatever. But, but why a buyer would buy a business, um, there, there's a lot of different reasons, but let's take an example of why a buyer would buy a, a solopreneur business, you know? Um, and, and that's because of that living, breathing system that's created. It's like a money machine, you know? You can, if you can show, hey, how, this is if I put one investment dollar in my money machine, it spits out $3, Someone's going to buy that money machine every day of the week. And that's exactly what we're trying to do with these businesses is show this is the money machine we've created. This, and this is why it's valuable to somebody in the future. So instead of creating a course that teaches other people how you're doing what you're doing, you keep it in-house and then sell the whole darn thing down the road. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a oh, really good really way to good do way it. To do it. I like that. So you talk about exit factor, and we've been kind of dancing around that. How did you come up with exit factor? What What was your journey? Yeah, so I I sold my first business um, about ten, just over ten years ago, and when I went through that process, I really wanted to help small business owners sell. So that journey brought me to opening a business brokerage office with my husband, um, and we were able to build that business brokerage office to the number one business brokerage office in the country as recognized by the International Business Brokers Association. So we basically, we do a ton of transactions. We do more transactions than almost all of the other business brokerage offices across the world every year. So in working with those clients, we started to see that we weren't getting most of our clients the maximum return on their business that they could receive. And a lot of it was because they were waiting to this last minute. They didn't do some of this key preparation work, which we knew as brokers, right? But we weren't sharing with the world because there really is kind of a very simple secret playbook to success when selling your business that increases the value and increases the likelihood that you will sell. So when the pandemic hit about two years ago, we decided, you know what, it's time to unleash those secrets. So I founded Exit Factor, and that's what we do. We pull back the curtain on how the business sales process works. Um, We give sellers the secrets of what buyers are using to judge businesses, to decide what business they're going to buy and what business they're going to pay the most money for. And we walk our clients through that education process, leading them up to sale at some point in the future. Um, And we do that through an online course and some um, uh, digital or online consulting as well. Well, and that leads me, I'm pretty sure I didn't get to this already, but, you know, when we'll get to getting uh, your financials in order, but that leads me to chapter seven, the top 10 questions from sellers. And I think you've just shared a few of them. What are the ones that you hear the most that you just, you know, before you even get on that call, you know, you're going to hear it. Yeah. Uh, The one is, uh, the one is all around valuation. It's like, what is my business worth? And I find that uh, most business owners either drastically overvalue their business or they drastically undervalue their business. So, um, and we joke a lot in the office, it's always a round number, right? Their business is always worth 1 million, 10 million or a hundred million dollars, or it's worth nothing. 
So that's the first, uh, the first question we get a lot. And that's where I go back to, you know, having an assessment and evaluation done, even if you're five, 10 years out, or you never think you're going to sell at all, at least it gives you an idea about what the business is worth and how that process works. Um, so, so that's one of the major questions is, is around valuation, what the business is worth and who would even buy the business, right? That's really a big question. It's like who buys these small businesses, which is a whole nother topic we can dive into if you want with our time left together. And, and then the last is like timing, right? How long does this take, right? How long does the process of a sale take? And, and right now we're actually seeing an uptick in timing and it's about nine months right now to sell a small business in the marketplace, which is a lot longer than most people think, right? And it's because we do go back to that house analogy in our, our brains a lot because that's the easiest thing for us to think of about a sale process. And, you know, most houses take 60, maybe 90 days to sell, but businesses take much, much longer. Why is that? I mean, is it because the financials are not in order? They just can't find the, the right buyer? What's going on there? Yeah, it's it's really because it does take a, a, a while to find the right buyer. I mean, the average business, it'll take three to four months to find the right buyer because it's not like a house, right? Businesses are really specific. Like you can't change the paint color on a business and make it work for 60 different people. So you're looking for somebody that is inspired by your industry, is a cultural fit for your business. And then you layer on the things like they have the experience to run it. They have the funds to afford it. So you're really looking for a needle in a haystack or a few needles in a haystack. And that takes time. So that's the first part of it. Um, the second major time um, consideration is this period called due diligence, which is basically like an inspection period for a business. And this is where when we get into why it's so important to have great books and records is because the buyer will inspect everything about your business. And that, that takes about 30, sometimes 60 days too. And then the last part is the funding. So when you go to buy a business, you can use cash um, if you want, but most, most buyers don't use all cash. Um, you can use seller financing, but most sellers don't want to use all seller financing. So we end up in a banking process and you're working with lenders. And the lending process for a business is uh, much more intense than you would expect for a house. So on average right now, we're seeing banks and lenders take about 60, some take 90 or more days to close a loan on a business. So you layer those three parts together, you know, finding your needle in the haystack, finding the right buyer, getting through due diligence, and then getting through the lending process. And that adds up to that, that lengthy time of nine months. Well, that makes sense. And then I hadn't even thought about it because I don't have a business to sell at this time, but it just never occurred to me that all of these processes have to, in some way it does mirror the house. You, you know, some people need to, you know, go do a contingency. You know, there's a lot that goes mm -hmm. on. But, but here's what I was kind of wondering. So when you, you're going to sell your business and you think you have your financials in order, but you need to make sure, you're going to have expenses just like you would when you're selling your house. You need to hire that painter. You need to hire somebody to, you know, fix that roof. If you live in Hurricane mm -hmm. Alley, which I do, just in Europe last year, but you know you're going to have expenses. So, what are some of those expenses that you can just kind of put them on an index card and say, okay, these are the people I need to find and work with, and I'm going to have to pay them. Yeah, yeah, and good thing too to know before we jump into expenses is um, it doesn't affect the value of your business when you're investing to sell it. Um, so we call them addbacks or adjustments, but those are not normal business expenses. So those would be added back um, to your your profit in order to in, in uh, increase that valuation. But to answer your question, Denise, so you know we we said at the beginning you're going to need um, an assessment done um, and and possibly work with an exit strategist like myself to get the business ready for sale. That you can expect about you know twenty five hundred to ten thousand dollars a year is probably the expense. Then once you go and put it on the market, um, most business brokers and investment bankers earn their fee on the back end, make, meaning they're going to earn a commission on the sale. So there's going to be limited or no upfront fees to work with them. It's once you have a buyer in place when those expenses and that team is really going to be important. So you have a buyer in place, they've made an offer, 
Now you've got your business broker and your team. You're going to need an attorney that specializes in mergers and acquisitions for deals your size. So if you're in small business, a small business transactional attorney. If you're a larger business, a large M&A division of a legal firm. Um, you will also need the support of your accountant, although you really don't have a lot of increased cost with your accountants, like minimal um, for them to help you close the deal, but it's, it's usually the same type of expenses you would expect, expect from your accountant on an on a annual basis anyway. And then some people also do um, choose to bring their financial planner or financial advisor into the transaction. Again, not an added cost, but just somebody to help you because you, know, you are going to have some sum of cash that's handed to you at the closing table and having someone there alongside you um, during that process can help you guide where that money is going to go and how it's going to be used after the fact. So, so you don't go out and buy a new new car or a yacht right away? Exactly. 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 Well, darn it. What yeah. the heck? Why would I do this then? I know, right? Well, you can have some of those, you know, you can have this, some, some of those celebrations. But so there's not a ton of expenses actually in the preparation phase. And really, some of these people you might already have on your team, like most people already have a great accountant, a great financial planner. Um, usually the, the people that you're bringing in that you haven't worked with before is that transactional attorney because you don't want to work with a general business attorney. You want to work with someone that specializes in selling businesses. And then that business broker and the exit strategist, those are the three new ones to your team. But in terms of cost and invest, investment, I find it's up front, it's, it's a lot less than people expect it to be. It sounds like it. I mean, it sounds frightening to say, oh, geez, I've got to sell my business. You know, I've been here for 15 or 20 years, and it's mine. It's all mine. Now I've got to do all of this work to get it going. But it doesn't sound like it's really a very difficult process. You just need to get the right people in place. Yeah, it is, it's it's a really – and one of the reasons why I, I love our business and I love working in small business exits is because it's a dynamic, changing industry. You know, we have all these different um, effects on the business from macroeconomics to micros to, you know, some specific things happening in different industries. But for that reason, it's, it's so important for business owners to have the right team because it's so dynamic and changing. You really need somebody that's active um, on your team, active in that environment, and can tell you what's going on in real time. One of the things that, that I'm, I'm reading, I'm kind of flipping through your book here as you're talking, is um, something about not keeping it confidential. Selling a business is a long and sometimes painful process, which we just touched on, and it's difficult and emotional. You're selling your yeah. baby. Yeah. I would be. I'm like, what my my business is my baby. It's all me. Nobody trained me to do a darn thing. I just did it. And the thought of giving it or selling it to somebody else makes my stomach hurt. To be honest, I can't believe that I'm the only one that. I mean, eventually it has to happen, obviously. But I don't think I'm alone in that. It's like, but it's mine. It's all mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Until it's not. Yeah, it's funny. Um, my mentor, um, Andy Cagnetta, and I have this saying, and we say it on our podcast a lot, is that you will leave your business either feet first, being carried out through the door, or you can leave walking through the door proud and strong. Um, and it's so true. So, so many of us get tied up into our businesses from an emotional standpoint, but we will all leave our businesses, right? Just like right. we're not gar guaranteed to stay on this earth forever. Like we will all leave our businesses. And really it's about deciding whether you want to control that process or you want it to control you. And that's where like sometimes that's where we have to have those emotional checks and step back and take a look at things objectively. And I think what's important to Denise about our talk is like if people are listening today and they're like, okay, I want to prepare my business to sell, but I'm not ready to sell. Preparing to sell does not mean you have to sell. It just means that if that day comes when you're ready or you're forced to, the business is in better shape and the process is going to go much smoother for you. But I get it's, I get it's an emotional it. process, and, and it's, it's hard for all of us to deal, deal with transition and deal with change. Well, and then there's the, the life parallel. We all have to have a will. We should have a will. We should have end-of-life decisions already made. 
You know, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. kind of the same thing. It's going to happen. You cannot, you can maybe postpone it, but you can't avoid it. So you might as well be prepared for it. It's difficult. It really is. I had to meet with my best friend the other day to sign her will and her, you know, different documents. I wasn't happy about it. I mean, when I say I wasn't yeah. happy about it, yeah. it made my stomach hurt. I was happy to be there for her, and I will take excellent care of her when the day comes. She'll do the same for me when the day comes. These are not decisions anybody really wants to make. We don't go, oh, goody, I'm going to go have Chinese food for lunch, and then I'm going to see the attorney. doesn't happen like that. No, it's and it's not. It's like, look, it makes it makes us all confront like very hard points that we're going to have in our lives, right? And, and selling the business too, because you know, quite honestly, there's there's a good fifty fifty chance that you're going to be selling your business for some some type of negative effects going on in your life. But we all know, just like like the analogy of using the wills and the trusts, we know that if something happened to a family member or a loved one, if they have put all of those things in place, it's much a much easier process on our family and our loved ones if we pass, if we have the wills and the trusts in place than if they have to go through something like probate, right? Um, and it's the same thing with a business and not just if, if you pass or anything like that, but really trying to take care of your future self today, right? Because when you're going through the sale process, it is emotional. It is hard. Um, you're confronting a lot of issues around change and transition and what your role is going to be moving forward. And that's it's very emotional for a lot of us. So the smoother you can make that process and eliminate hurdles today in the present, when you don't have to face those emotional decisions, the easier it's going to be for your future self. And everybody around you. So we've got yes. about eight minutes still. So you had mentioned that you could um, share who buys these small businesses, some information about that. Yeah, it's, it's actually it was one of my favorite topics to talk about because every time I, I get on the phone with a client, they'll start and we'll, we'll, I'll learn about their business and be like, okay, this is the person I think is going to buy my business. This is the competitor down the street. It's this company that does something similar to me out of state, which those are buyers. They're, we call them strategic buyers. So it could be a company like yours out of state. It could be a direct competitor. Um, it could be somebody that does something similar to you, like a referral partner. But the secret is they only account for about 15% of the entire business buyer pool. And then we've got another small group of buyers that a lot of business owners will bring up to me, which is called, we call investment buyers. And that's people like private equity firms, search firms. They're a very small amount of the marketplace and they usually are only focused on larger deals companies that are making a million dollars or more in net profit every year so that leaves us about 80 percent of the business buyer market so like where are these other 80 percent the bulk of the buyers coming from and i call them corporate retirees they're people just like you and i that want to start a business they've been dreaming about starting this business for 10 15 20 years but they've been stuck in a corporate environment and they didn't know how to get out. And so instead of going and starting a business, they've decided to become entre entrepreneurs through buying a business. And they're great buyers because they come with some great corporate experience and training. They often come with a lot of money because they've been saving through their retirement funds and their corporate savings accounts for years. Buyer pool has drastically increased in the last two years. So you hear things um, in the economy about this uh, great resignation of people leaving their jobs because they want more control out of their lives. And that's the same buyer pool, right? So we've seen this buyer pool increase about three times in the last two years, which is great for business owners because it means there's more competition um, for the businesses that they're buying. But that, when you look at who's buying businesses on average, that's who's buying a business someone who's worked in a corporate career for 10 years or more, and they finally said, hey, I've had enough. I'm going to become an entrepreneur, but I don't have the vision to start something myself, so I'm going to buy something that someone else has already created. Is this, and I can't for the life of me, my brain just went blank, but people who buy, and it's not an affiliate thing. You know, let's say you have a Taco Bell franchise, franchise. So are we talking, I finally found it. It was there. I'm losing my voice. Sorry. Is that something like people who will go into and buy a, a small franchise? It's similar. It's similar. 
but okay. it's just, they don't have to buy franchises. I actually, like, if you look at the business buyer pool, the majority of the business buyers do not want a franchise. Um, yeah. But it's, it's the same type of it's the same type of person. So yeah, it's um, you know we'll use an example. So we, if my husband's firm recently sold a business, it was um, to somebody who worked in a sales management position for a very large corporate um, software as a service company for the last 20 years. And he said, you know what? I'm great at sales. I'm great at management. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to work for myself. Um, so he's, got, he's buying a sales training and consulting firm that we have listed for sale. And that's, that's the typical story. And they're, like I said, they're great buyers. They have lots of experience. Um, they often are well-funded. Banks love them. Banks love to lend to people that have this um, big resume of corporate experience. I don't know why, but they do. Um, so, but that's who buys businesses. That's the majority of the, the buyers that will end up looking at your business in the future are these people leaving corporate. See, I would have never even considered them. Like, you know, you first mentioned the first person I would have thought of was the strategic person. You know, right. who is going right. to buy my web development business? Well, another web developer, obviously. Apparently not. Yeah. And, I mean, like I said, they're still part of the buyer pool, and they're a growing part of the buyer pool, but they're still the minority. So there's still the, the minority amount of the transactions getting done are with strategic buyers. But, you know, I think part of this whole preparation purpose is that if you design your business that's attractive to a number of different buyer pools, it's just like any other industry with supply and demand. The more people you can get interested in buying your business, the corporate retirees, the strategics, the private equity, the more people interested, the more competition there will be for your business, and that's going to drive up the price of the business in the end. You know, when we when COVID first started, people were just panicking everywhere. I was. I was worried. Mm-hmm. I mean, every my clients were worried. We were all worried. And, in the, yeah, businesses went down, mostly, I think, in the restaurant arena, and I can understand why. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, of course, with inflation and supply chain, we may start to see that kind of same thing going on. But other areas in our lives and in our finances improved because you know there's listen nature abhors a vacuum when something dies off or is killed something's going to take its place and i think it's easy for us to go oh geez oh geez oh geez what's next and not look at the hey this is the good stuff that's happening let me go you know check that out Mm -hmm. yeah And, and it's all i think and i think that's what that's that entrepreneurial gene that we have to gene that we have to turn on is like Yes, there's so many terrible things going wrong in the world, and there's so many things that we can focus on the negative, but what's the opportunity? What's the Mm -hmm. silver lining in all of this, and how can we benefit from it? Exactly. Jessica, we've got a couple minutes left before I let you go. Do you have anything else you would like to share with the audience, some wisdom or tips or tricks that they need to know about? I, I, I don't think so. I think we've had a great conversation today. I would just encourage the audience, like, just do a little homework. Just, just see, again, get an evaluation or assessment of the business. Educate yourself around the business sale process. You know, talk to, talk to an expert. Um, you can always reach out to me. You can find me online at Jessica Fiakovich. Denise, I know you have a bunch of my stuff linked on your podcast website. But just inform yourself. And make a plan and try to carve that month, that time out that we talked about. Get that hour or two a week where you have that thinking time and you can think holistically about your business's future. And see, that's one of the most important things that you said, and I agree with you from the bottom of my heart. Look, I jump in the shower, I turn it up hot enough to steam broccoli, and I whip out my, my I do. It's yep. terrible. It's a good thing I have a big bathroom with high ceilings, because otherwise it would be a mold factory in there. But, I mean, I whip out my bathtub crayons, because that's when, and I call them God winks. I'm not thinking about anything else. I am relaxed, and all of a sudden, things start dropping into my head that are coming from somewhere outside of me. And most of the time they are brilliant. Walk mm-hmm. your dog. I can't meditate. I, my squirrel brain doesn't let But when I'm walking the dog, I find myself falling into what I call a walking meditation. All of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm at that relaxation where my brain or my heart or my soul or something, God winks, is saying, hey, Denise got an idea for you. Pay attention to those times. Make those times. It's so important. 
Yes, so important. And it also, it gives you the break, right? If we're in it day and day and day and hour and hour and hour, we don't, the brain never shuts off and it never has a time and a space for those epiphanies. I, I, I think honestly, Denise, I came in thinking you we were going to have, and we did have a great discussion about preparing for sale, but that I think is the most important topic we talked about today. I agree. And it, you know, if you can't relax and just kind of accept that your brain is this monstrously lively place and learn how to deal with it, you're going to be in trouble a lot. You're going to have headaches. I know. Listen, um, spell your last name for us so where, you know, let people know where they can find you. Yeah, it's F-I-A-L-K-O-V-I-C-H. You can find me on all the social medias, or you can visit us um, at my company website, exitfactor.com. There you go. So we have just, we're running out of time. Jessica, thank you for coming back. It's always lovely chatting with you. And congratulations on everything that is wonderful and positive in your life and for sharing that with us. And I thank you for all of the terrific tips and the advice that you shared with our audience. And I hope they'll start to think, okay, I'm not getting out of this alive. I need a team. I need to start now and get in touch with Jessica if that's what you're thinking. So before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to look for us in iTunes and anywhere else you consume your business podcasts. Honestly, you can't throw a stick on the Internet without hitting your partner in Success Radio. Excuse me, I am losing my voice. So find us and take us along on your success journey. And Jessica, thank you again. I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, thank you so much, Denise. It's always great chatting with you. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. 